Hi, this is Asian Miles Apart. I'm Regina in Hong Kong. I'm Pin in London, and I'm Crystal in Singapore. Hello, everyone. Today we are touching on the topic of changing our jobs. All of us have changed jobs a few times throughout our careers, which I'm sure many of you have as well. And we wanted to reflect on the journey of why and how we made the decision to switch jobs when we did, and how we made the move. More generally, we also want to find out how we each tried to settle into our new roles, which can be quite daunting at times. Now, this is a very relevant topic to me, and I'm pinned if you still can't recognize my voice, because I just started a new job in January this year. So I'm not sure if I touch on this, but I took a two-month break in November and December last year, and went home to Malaysia. So this is my second time switching jobs, but actually it's the more significant one compared to my first move because I'm basically switching from what we call practice to in- an in-house role, which can be quite different. So I guess just to refresh everyone's memories, so to speak, Crystal and Regina, do you want to just start off with a quick reminder? of what industry or field you both are in and how did you get there? Hey everyone, so I'm Crystal. I'm currently in consulting. I've been in consulting for seven years out of 10 years. My first three years is also in consulting, but it's in tax management consulting. So we look at technologies for tax functions. Um, And then, yeah, I switched over to another part of consulting after my, from my fourth year onwards. So in total, I've changed companies three times. One of it was a geographical change. So that's my background <laughs> in very short summary. Okay, hi. So I'm Regina. Uh, so my background is in architecture. Uh, I was qualified as an architect. But after I got qualified, I moved into interior design. So uh, this move is not uncommon. But some people managed to make this move because of some of the opportunities they have in their offices. So I have an opportunity to work in interior design and I realized that I like it very much. So things like interior styling, choosing furniture, and then I decided to move into ID, interior design. So I've moved job about three times. It's a long story, but I've basically moved from architecture to interior design and then back into architecture. And now I'm in interior design and I can see myself being in interior design for uh, a long run. So, um, you know, all of us, we've changed jobs multiple times. And from your perspective, what were the factors that prompted that change? How did you decide that, hey, this is the time for me to move on from my current place and job? So I think more generally, in my opinion, if you feel unhappy... And the weird part about it is sometimes it's very easy for us to be stuck in this situation where you think that the stress that you are feeling or the unhappiness that you are feeling is just part of the job and it's very common and that everyone faces it so you should just accept it kind of mindset. But I think it's very important to sometimes take a step back to reflect on what is it that makes you stressed out and unhappy about your job. And if it's something that 
you know will not change, then I think it is a sign that you need to move. That's obviously just one of the factors, you know, there could be other things like you just have different interests, you want to try out a different field like, you know, Regina from architecture to interior design, that sort of thing. But I think, yeah, for me, actually, for my most recent move, I wasn't actually actively looking to move despite feeling actually very burnt out from my job. So this opportunity came because a recruiter reached out. And even then, I wasn't really seriously considering it until I went through all the interview rounds. And I could slowly see that actually, I've been quite stressed out, I guess, in my last job. And maybe it's just not good for me in the long run, which is why I decided to move. What about you guys? Yeah, so Pin, I agree with you when you say that you should look out for signs, whether or not you're unhappy because of the job itself or because of other reasons. Something I also realized in one of my jobs that I really didn't enjoy was that I actually learned the most from that job. And sometimes I also question whether or not I didn't like the job because it was something that I didn't want to do or it was because it's something that was difficult. And I had a really steep learning curve in that job. And it was my first job after I graduated. And I felt like I was being thrown into this real life situation where I just have to deal with difficult tasks. And and these are things that I find myself, I've never learned them in university. And basically, I was trying to transition from the theory to the practical terms, right? I had a bit of a shock. It was almost like, oh, this is not what I envisioned my working life to be. And I was questioning whether or not I chose the right path. But at the same time, after so many years, I also realized that oh, I've actually learned a lot in this process. And actually doing these tasks that I was given now doesn't seem as bad. I mean, I still don't enjoy it very much, which is why I transitioned back into interior design. I think with choosing jobs and choosing what you want to do in your career also involves a lot of experimentation. I mean, for some people... Um, for some, you might, yeah, I don't know, I would say like hit the jackpot and have chosen the right path for your career. But for me, I think for myself, it was a series of experimentation and also realizing that patterns of like when I feel unhappy in a job and what are the things that I like and didn't like. Uh, yeah, it took quite a few years to figure that out. Mm, I think so far the reasons for like career change for me or the impetus at least is mostly boredom. <laughs> and boredom in the sense that I felt like the job one, I didn't have much left to learn or, yeah, I felt like that's the peak. Um, second, I probably felt like the work wasn't very challenging. And third is I didn't really vibe with my team. I mean, I vibed, I'm saying they're all friendly, but I just felt like the culture could be better. So I was like kind of bored of the situation. But I think that's, that says more about my personality as opposed to the job. I, for one, cannot do the same thing over and over again. That's why I think it's kind of good that I'm in consulting because sort of every project is different. It's probably similar to architecture and interior design, right? And yeah, I think for me, I haven't felt the need to change job because of a burnout. Lah. Maybe because my job is manageable, I guess, mm. to date. So touch wood. <laughs> Hope it won't be worse. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it boils down to boredom or like just generally a need for change 
or yeah, or I feel if there's a job that I see out there that I'm interested in, like the job description, for example, it will typically be jobs that I find exciting. It wouldn't be like, oh, um, I want to change job because the culture is bad now. I want to change somewhere else or, you know, or the hours are really long. I want to become have less hours. Not really. It's more of like, oh, I'm interested in this potential role. Um, yeah, that would be my my reasons, I guess, so mm. far. So you mentioned about work culture a bit earlier. And actually one mm. of the reasons as to why I made my first move from my first job to my last job was actually mostly driven by the work culture, I think. Mm. And I know we all talk about this, right? Like in a very generic term, like, oh yeah, that work culture is important, but what does it actually mean? And I think it's actually really important because in my first workplace, I felt like there's definitely this favoritism mm. in the team where if you're like one of the popular people, mm. you sort of get favored quite obviously. Yeah. So it just created mm. this culture where people started splitting into different groups. There's like, you know, really popular small group and then there's everyone else basically. Mm. And it's just one of those things, right? When you join a new company, you just will not know what the culture, so to speak, yeah, is until true, yeah. you join. So it's a very difficult, but it's actually very important. It really yeah. plays a role in how you feel at your job, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes back to the experimentation thing. I think everyone's like, oh, you know, during interview, you should ask back mm. your interviewer what the culture is like. You should read up on the culture. But honestly speaking, you can't. <laughs> You will only know when you are inside the building and working there for like a good that six months, true. then you will realize whether yeah. you like it or not, or what aspects yeah. you like. I actually make sure that I ask this question if a recruiter reach out to me or if I go for an interview, because I think after working in three different jobs, I realized that working culture is very, very important. And that's also part of the reason why I moved away from my first job. I think I was in my first job for three years. And towards the end of it, the culture was becoming a little bit toxic. People were were quite frequently talking bad about another person behind someone's back. Mm. And the whole vibe is just uh, really bad. And we were also going through a bit of redundancy during that time. So people were like unsure about the situation. It was during Brexit. Um, so I think it was towards the end, um, the, the vibe just wasn't great. And I just knew that I had to get out of it. And uh, another thing that I want to bring up was that during that time, even though I knew that I was wildly unhappy at my work, but I really struggled with the idea of quitting my job without having another job lined up. I knew that I was feeling a little bit of a burnout, but I couldn't make myself quit my job. And the idea of finding another job while having a full-time job, I mean, at the point of time, it seemed quite tiring. Because looking for a new job, and if you really want to have a good offer, I think it takes a bit of work. I think interview process for some companies was also quite lengthy. And making sure that you get the negotiation process done well, I think all these are, are work that requires a lot of time outside of your working hours. So then I remember staying in that job that I was unhappy with for a long time and really just struggled with the idea of like quitting that job. But I was also looking actively looking for a job at that point of time. And mm. I got to a point where I realized, okay, I need to just believe in myself, honestly, that I could get another job. So I tendered my resignation. And yeah, I found another job within a, a month. 
the reason why I make this point and I talk about this story right now is because I've also come to a similar situation in my previous job, which is my third job. And I found myself being in a similar familiar feeling that I really don't enjoy the work and I need to make a change. Again, I was feeling this fear of like not being able to find another job. But then I actually slowed down and reminded myself that, hey, you did this in the first time, right? You quit your job and you managed to find a job really quickly. And I just need to tell myself that and believe in myself. But also you have to make sure that your finance allows you to to do that, right? So I also make sure that I have enough emergency funds allow me to pay rents and expenses. But I have to say, I, I took a career break this year. And that two months really caused a hole in my bank account. So <laughs> I think uh, it was a great decision. Um, and I'm glad I did that. And I really take time to find a good job while I'm on a break. Yeah, Pin, you had a career break as well, right? How did you find that career break change your perception about getting a job? Yeah, it was good. So I don't think I mentioned this, but between my first and second job, I was actually on a break for about eight months probably the best time of my life. That was when I met my fiancé. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Reg, I think you need to quit your job for eight months and then you can find someone. Basically, I think I need to have a longer yeah. career break, right? Because Pin took a eight months break. Maybe I only took two months, so maybe I should have taken it longer so that I could meet yeah, my you know, find future fiancé. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dating takes time, man. Like, I think like what you said, you know, it's so difficult sometimes to actively look for a job when you are in an existing job. Finding a partner is the same, right? Mm. Finding the partner is exactly the same, yeah. And I actually felt that way because I was so unhappy in my first job. But again, looking for another job at the same time, like what you say, it takes up so much time. So... I decided to quit my job. I actually had an offer lined up at that time to start a lot later, which I wasn't very happy about, but it was kind of like my backup plan. I was like, okay, I'm just going to like try looking for jobs while I'm on this break. And if nothing happens, then at least I have a backup offer. Yeah. So yeah. And then I, I got my second job offer out eventually. But I think it sort of, you know, builds up your confidence that, yeah, you, you definitely can find something. Mm. I know it's, you know, easier said than done because, yeah. you know, these things are always quite nerve-wracking, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think sometimes you just really need that time away to really, you know, reflect on what you want. Speaking of uh, finding a job, is like, it's like finding a partner. Uh, one analogy that I used to uh, think about my relationship with my job was that your job is like your boyfriend. If your relationship is not going well, say if the working environment is not great and you don't really enjoy the work, and let's say if your bosses are assuring you that, oh, better projects are going to come in, the client's going to be better. These are like assurance from a toxic boyfriend. <laughs> And if you're really (laughs) unhappy in that relationship with your office environment, it's like being in a toxic relationship and expecting your office to change is like expecting your toxic boyfriend to change for the better. And it will not happen. So you got to make this change yourself and decide that you deserve better. And yeah, look for an opportunity out there. Uh, And I have to say that I applied this thinking to my first job and it worked. And after I moved up, I really felt a lot happier with um, <laughs> my subsequent job and I really enjoy doing it. 
Uh, and that was my last job in London before I moved to Hong Kong. And I remember thinking that I really enjoyed that work so much that I really wish I could move that job to Hong Kong, right? I mean, the reason why I moved to Hong Kong wasn't because I wanted another job in Hong Kong. It was really because mm. I wanted a, a change in my lifestyle, uh, new experiences in my life at that point of time. I wish I had the same job in the same office, but if I could move that to Hong Kong, it would be ideal. But yeah, it doesn't work that way. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping to take a career. But okay, my career, and I, I think for you guys, career ba- your career breaks were like, I suppose you quit your job to find another job or to have mm. a break. I think for me, I'm planning to go on like a sabbatical instead rather than take a, you know, quit my job type. And I don't know, I think the considerations, like you say, are financial. So yeah, I think uh, you have to make your own assessment <laughs> as to whether it makes mm. sense for you. But yeah, I definitely think it's time. I, mean, I think out of all of us, I'm three of us, I'm the only one who hasn't taken like a mm. proper break. So I don't know. I'm thinking like three months, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I want to take six months. I think I'll be bored. Especially with COVID, if you can't travel, it will be insane. And I feel like for me, the opportunity cost is... Three months is just nice. I think if it's like six months or a year, I, I think I'll be very poor after that. Because <laughs> I know I cannot reduce <laughs> my lifestyle yeah. choices. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah three months is a good length, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope can take. <laughs> so when it comes to accepting a job offer, right? Let's say you've decided to move. You went for a few interviews. Uh, you've got a few offers. What are the factors you would look at in terms of accepting the offer? And what's the most important to you right now uh, at this point of your life? I think when I was younger, it would be one job scope, mm. of course. Mm-hmm. I think even when I moved from my first job to second job, it's to, to see like how the opportunities are. So that w- I assessed at that point in time that there were more opportunities in that new area that mm. I was moving into. The second thing is definitely financials. I think maybe more so when I was younger. I think for me, financials were important. Maybe because I haven't reached that scale yet in terms of my pay. So I, I sort of feel like if you have a, say, a set lifestyle, right? A set sort of cost of living, so to speak. Once you sort of break even your salary and that, you start to feel like, oh, okay, actually, I don't really care about financials that much. So I think in recent years when I'm looking for a job it's less mm. about financials of course I would still ask for a pay rise because it's starting in a whole new environment it's sort of like an unknown and therefore you should be compensated for being in an unknown environment I suppose um, but now I think the things that I look at is more mm. culture which again I think is very hard I, I know yeah in the beginning I said it's very hard to assess but I think there are certain questions that you can ask to assess right so for example I did an interview maybe six to seven months ago and I actually got the offer and it was like significantly higher mm. in terms of pay. But I just assessed that, hey, you know, the company is not very global so I will be working in a very regional basis. Mm. So, you know, don't really enjoy that. Um, the team is quite small. Don't really enjoy that. Oh, the problems is always going to be the same set of problems, just constantly improving on the problems, right? Also won't enjoy that. So it's sort of turned into a more of a job scope and challenge type of consideration. Uh. So financials didn't really come into play mm. that much recently. Mm. I see. I think mine are quite similar, but to be honest, the whole job scope thing, I guess was less 
of a consideration to me because I've just generally been in the same field. I don't think I actually talked about it in this episode yet, but for those who don't know, I work in tax um, and I specialize in transactions, so I've always been doing the same thing. And as I say, the more significant change is this job where I've moved from practice to in-house. I'll still be doing very similar things, but actually it's a broader job scope. And I'm technically the client, which is great. Mm. I think to me, pay was very important. And I think Crystal made a good point. Like, there's always a point where you hit, then you get less concerned about how far above that it will go. Like, obviously it's still important, but Mm. the weighting that you give to it is definitely less so. Like, you don't really mind whether it's a 10% difference or like, you know, whatnot. Whereas... If it's lower than a certain threshold, then you'll be like, okay, like 10% makes a lot of difference kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Progression used to be quite important to me. And actually, that was one of the factors that I was really considering before accepting this current job offer. Because in practice, the progression route is very clear. You know, you start from whatever, you make your way to partner. So there's a very clear way you can progress ultimately. Whereas in-house, it's always different, right? Like, the teams are smaller. There's, like, fewer levels. So it's harder for you to get promoted in a sense. So Mm. at first, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm giving up the progression and potentially the much higher pay if I make partner, for instance, in practice. But ultimately, I've decided that culture and then having a less stressful job is more important to me in the long run. And the financials, I say, once you've hit a certain point, like, do I really need all the pay that a partner gets? Maybe not, to be honest. I'm quite happy already Mm. with where I am. Like, you know, I'm already very lucky. I'm not, like, starving or anything. So, yeah. I think, yeah, definitely there's a switch in priorities, I would say, Mm. in terms of what I am looking for in a job as I grow older, I guess. So, yeah, what about you, Raj? I think for me... One of the most important thing I look at is the uh, one, obviously, working culture is very important. The people that you work with and whether or not they are nice. Uh, that's also part of the reason why I left my previous job because the environment was quite toxic and the bosses can be quite harsh, I think. I think I'm someone who would welcome like constructive criticism or like constructive feedback. But if the criticism is becoming personal, then I think that's like, it has crossed the boundary. And that's like, oftentimes I felt this way in my previous yep. job, which is why I moved away from that environment. And I think the other thing is the working hours. Because I think like time is valuable and time is money. So I would weigh the pay based on the number of hours I would potentially work in that office when I get the offer. So for example, I got two job offers Last year, one, I understand from when I spoke to the people in the company that they don't work late and they live on time. To me, that's a really good attraction point for that job offer. Mm. And in the other job offer, they offered a slightly higher pay. But I also understand from people that they do work long hours from time to time. Uh, So I think these are the things that I would weigh. And I know that in this bigger globalized company, I would very likely get paid a lot lesser per hour uh, in comparison to the smaller office. I don't know if you've ever moved to a job and ever feel like, oh, what did I get myself into, right? Why did I move to this job? 
And I kind of felt this way when I moved to my previous job. And I probably should have foreseen that coming. Before I moved to Hong Kong, I have friends who told me that, oh, people work very long hours in Hong Kong. It's, it's quite intense there. Uh, and it's a common thing, like they would work until like 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning and the clients can be quite demanding. If they ask for something the night before, they would expect it pretty quickly, perhaps the next morning. And I kind of noticed that when I first joined, for example, I think replying email-wise in my previous job in London, if it isn't an urgent issue, there's really not such a big urgency to reply that email instantly, right? Like within one hour of receiving that email. I'm not sure if it's the same in your industry, but oftentimes we might take, let's say if we're in a meeting, we would take like maybe a few hours to reply the email and it's acceptable to reply the email the next day. It's fine. <laughs> but my, I remember vividly that in here in Hong Kong, we communicate with our clients and the local team using WeChat, so it's almost like you're chatting with them, right? And I remember mm-hmm. someone from the local team, like in mainland, sent us a message about, oh, hey, like, I'm just going to ask you this question about, you know, this project. And I haven't replied the person within one hour. And my boss was like, why haven't you replied the consultant <laughs> on this question? And to me, I was <laughs> I was surprised. I was really surprised. Like, it was pretty, it was, mm-hmm. it was my first week in Hong Kong. And I noticed that there is this sense of efficiency and urgency with everything in Hong Kong, which is quite actually a good thing because living in Hong Kong, I also noticed that things get done really quickly. And it's great, like right? when I need things, I can I get response really fast as well. So that's great. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but it took a bit of time, you know, to get used to. But obviously this stress that you're having to reply the your consultants almost immediately, I mean, that can be quite a lot. The other thing was that my first week in my job, I was already working late and then working overtime and we were really under-resourced. So that was really like the time when I felt like, oh gosh, why did I get myself into this job? And like, uh, I just wasn't looking forward to, you know, the next few months. You know, I know that the project is going to, you know, have has a tight deadline and I'm going to be working late a lot. Yeah. Do you guys have the similar experience? Not me actually, because um, my first and second jobs are quite similar. So I, I sort of know what to expect. Whereas now, I think it's too early to tell. So we shall see. <laughs> what about Crystal? Yeah, I think um happened to me a few times. Every job, <laughs> actually, in fact, all the three jobs that I changed, all, there's always something unexpected. So my first job, I mean, my first job was my first job, so nothing to say. Moving to my second job, that one was um, moving into pure consulting. That was... A shock to the system. Of course, in the UK, networking is very important, but in consulting in the UK, it's like networking on steroids. Wow. So I remember going to 20 one-to-one coffee sessions in a week. 20, I kid you not. I'm not even like exaggerating. I was just so tired. I had to go to like Bank, to Canary Wharf, back to Morgate, oh, no. and like travel everywhere just to meet this bunch of people to network with them. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm yeah. just exhausted. And that company as well, you know, every time you want to go on a project, you actually apply to be on a project. So you get interviewed every single mm. project. And I was just like, I'm just exhausted. Like, I thought it would be more like team, you know, a bit more like a family, you know, you kind of know what everyone's doing and you communicate. But because that organization is mm. gigantic, they have to put in place these like more formalized process. But it's just so tiring. Yeah. So I was like, okay, oh God, that's unexpected. Then moving to my next job, that was moving geographically, right, from Europe to Asia. Again, 
that was another <laughs> shock. I remember my first project, the client shouted at me. And now I'm not an auditor and there's nothing wrong being an auditor. But the client was like, you stupid auditors. I told you, like he shouted from one end of the room across to the <gasps> other end where I was. He's like, I told you. And then he slammed the papers on the table. I told you this was not, this was not the numbers. The numbers should oh be this. Oh my God. And I was just like, oh my God. And that was like my first... Um, <laughs> experience oh, in Asia gosh. Pacific right and I was like oh my god yeah, all clients like this it was such mm. a bad impression but thankfully not all clients are like that so that was okay so that was another shock and obviously in the UK as well there was there were more emphasis on mentorship um, informally so uh, I, I guess in Asia you have that but it's probably more formal like you get allocated a career counsellor or whatever a mentor but in UK you would seek out people rather naturally to have mentors. So I remember in the UK, I would have like two or three mentors, you know, from ranging from managers to senior managers to partners, mm. right? But I would say till date, I've been in Singapore for five years. I don't really have an informal mm. mentor. Um, I only have the one that was formally allocated to me in a way. Um, so that was a shock. And then I moved to another job and that was like <laughs> hyper shock <laughs> because that was moving into a bank, right? Oh, the hours was insane. I was working every single hour of my life. I always feel this heart pain. I, I kid you not. I, I don't know if you guys felt this before, but when I was younger, right, when I was doing exams, especially near the exam dates, right, I will always feel this, like, I can't breathe. I don't, I don't know if you have this feeling. I have this, like, tugging feeling, like, I cannot breathe. Yeah, that was my, the, that, that, that job that I moved into in the banking industry. Oh, that one was so stressful because firstly, I didn't understand anything. Oh. Um, the hours were super long. And the pay was great, but everything was bad. I mean, the team was nice, but I just couldn't take it. So in a way, it's glad that it didn't work out and I moved back to my current job. But yeah, I think every job that I moved into was just some form of shock to the system. So I think, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure if I move on to another job in the future, it will still be a shock. So I think everyone, the tip is just be prepared. When you change jobs, not everything will be like what you experienced before. There will definitely be something new and... If you're an introvert, especially I feel, maybe it's not about introvert or extrovert, but you know, if, if you're experiencing change and change is difficult, I think, yeah, be prepared. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. So this brings me on very nicely to my next question. How do you settle into a new job? What are your top tips? Hmm. Uh, maybe I can go first. <laughs> I think the younger me went, who went for the 20 coffee, <laughs> coffee um, networking sessions, I would tell her, Crystal, do really? not waste your time. It's mm. all a fallacy. <laughs> I honestly do not believe it helped me in any single way. I mean, it might have helped, but it's not so material that it really helped my career mm. in any way. I think rather than going like just casting my net and getting to know everyone, I would say first prioritize who you want to meet, right? I don't think, let, let's say your team has 100 people, like you don't have to go and meet even half of them, to be honest. Just meet like 10 to 15 and you can stagger it, right? Um, over whatever, three or four months, um, or, or naturally get to know them organically through like projects or whatever work that you're working on with them. So I think that would be one, like don't go crazy. <laughs> Second, and I'm not sure I'm a very good example because to me it's like, I've come to a point where I don't really care, but maybe I'm not, a good, I'm not good at giving such advice. But the second thing I'll tell myself is when I was younger, I felt constantly pressured constantly pressured to go for networking events mm. and i really hate them right in the uk you know like they go to pub every wednesday thursday friday it's just too much for me and 
And now, I would say, if you don't want to join, it's fine. <laughs> you only have one life to live. And if it's giving you pain, mm. don't go. It's fine. Your career is not going to be... I mean, it depends what your objective is, right? If you want to be a freaking high flyer and constantly on the go, 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 and you enjoy these things, then go for it. But if it gives you pain, then don't do it. It's not going to materially impact things, right? If you're, you're good at your job, whether you go or you don't go, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I mean, maybe it does, but not, not to a material extent. Mm. Yeah, I would say like third thing is take your time. I think get to know things first in your first 30 days, like how things work. Um, I think because most people, when they change jobs, even me in the past, you constantly feel the need like, oh my God, I need to make sure I show something in the first 30 days. But I think people actually don't expect you to do anything materially crazy in your first three days, right? Mm. Like changing things. So that would be my three tips, I I would say. Mm. I think I can maybe give tips for working in a smaller office, right? So I'm fairly new in my current job. I'm about five to six months in. So I've experienced that very recently. So my company has about seven people. So it's really small. So the things that you say that (laughs) now working with 20 people in one week, okay, that's like more than the number of people in my office, okay? (laughs) I would say in such a small office, right, relationship is very important because you see the same people every day and you're basically Mm. sitting around them. You know, you have to make conversations with them. And I think that's very, very important. Maybe suggest to go for lunch with your colleagues, bond with colleagues. And I think through your colleagues, you can learn so much about your office dynamics. And I think it's also very good to learn about your boss's habits, what they like, what they don't like from your colleagues. And, and I found that like so useful mm. in my first two weeks um, in the office. And if you have any questions that you're too embarrassed to ask, like, I don't know, your boss, I don't know, like small things like where's the kitchen or like, what can I get coffee? These are the things that you would ask your colleagues, right? So yeah, make friends with yeah. them. Second thing that I noticed is, and I try to do that more actively, is to really speak up in meetings and don't be afraid to give like suggestions and ideas. So this is something that I noticed back in university, right? A lot of students tend to keep really quiet in like seminars or like presentation. But I noticed that there was this one girl yep. who would always speak up in these situations. And I think that the fear of not speaking up like with a lot of people is the fear of being judged, right? But I feel that even mm. if it's just a small, uh, if it's just a question, or even if it's just a small observation that you notice in the presentation, if you say that after the whole presentation, it can really leave an impression because it shows that you are interested, right? You are participating. Mm. And one advice that I got from my previous boss in my toxic environment, <laughs> in my previous job, <laughs> even though it was toxic, but I got a really good lesson in that job and it was that he advised us to really speak up in every meeting like chime in on ideas it's fine he said that to him it's important to do that even in meetings with clients and even if it's a meeting that we are not familiar with if we think of something obviously not too outrageous say it right and he says that he rather (laughs) we say something stupid Mm. than not speaking at all because that will look really bad And I kind of Mm. understand where he's coming from because he's giving us the confidence to really participate, right? I I was actually quite thankful that he says that because that means, you know, he was giving us the green light to to make mistakes, to, you know, to be part of the project. 
And I think that was really, really important lesson that I've learned. And I try to implement that in my current job as well, like really speak up in meetings. And yeah, I've I've noticed, I mean, even if I have an idea that was really simple and it was just an observation, it will really kickstart the conversations. You would never know like where it will go. So yeah, that's my advice. Mm. That's a really yeah. good point, actually, because I feel like for many, many years, I'm generally very quiet in meetings because to me, it's just like, I guess, A, I'm just the kind of person where I feel like if I have nothing to add, I just won't say it. And B, I am sometimes still afraid of being judged. Like obviously, if it's my turn to lead a call and stuff, it's different. But when mm. it's like a wider group meeting and I'm not the lead person talking, I generally won't say anything else unless I feel like I have to. But I feel like what you say is true. So one of my ex-bosses told me that she had a similar situation many years ago. So she's just, she tends to be on the quiet side. Mm. And actually what she consciously do is, before a meeting, she will say, these are a few points that I have in mind. I don't care how, I will say in the meeting later. Mm. So I will try to squeeze it in. So she would just force herself to do it, even if it's like a 20 second line or a 10 second line. Like she she told herself that I must say something. Because mm. otherwise she would just like not say anything. Yeah. So I thought like that was also very good advice. But other than that, I think I generally agree with what you guys say. And I think obviously there are differences between, you know, bigger offices and like what practice you're in. Like consulting, there's like hundreds of people, right? Mm. So you need like all the coffee sessions maybe. Or like a seven people office is different. For me, one of the things which is very obvious, but maybe people don't consciously do, I think try to go above and beyond what you need to do when you first start a new job. And mm. it's, I think it's obvious to everyone, like you would tend to do that because you want to make a good impression, right? But what I've learned is that people's impression of you is actually more important than what you do. Mm. So focus your yep. time on things that are visible and I was always say that this sounds really silly, but try to mirror the behavior of people in your team. And one of the examples of this is, and I really hope my boss is not listening to this, but <laughs> okay, we can I can edit this out if necessary. So I hope my boss is not listening to this, but now we are back to hybrid working. My boss has decided that she's going in like Tuesdays to Thursdays. And even though I, frankly speaking, like working from home more, I've decided that I should also go in Tuesdays to Thursday. And I told her that I'm very keen to do so, even though, well, not really. But I think it's just one of those things, like you can't be like, oh yeah, she's already said that she's keen on going back and seeing the team. And she she opened up the question to me and said, like, oh, how do you feel about it? I can't be like, oh no, like, I prefer working from home like Monday to Friday. I'm just not going in at all. So I think it's just trying to like mirror the behavior of people around you is quite important. Mm. Yeah, I think the mirroring is important. But right, I would say you don't have to do it like after five years in the company. <laughs> you only probably need to do it for the first six months, I think. Yeah, I yeah. Because the thing that I always like to tell people is that there's this idea of a perception curve. In your first 30 to 90 days, you are trying to build your perception, right? So if you do all the right steps, like mirroring of the behavior, networking at a pace that you're comfortable <laughs> with, <laughs> networking, um, you would start to build and going above and beyond, you start to build your perception sort of like an upwards trend, right? So as your 30 to 90 days, you are in an upward trend, then you continue to do good work, you know, after six months, you're still on an upward trend, you sort of start to build a good perception and a, and some goodwill. That's when, after, that, after six months, you can decide to not do mm. certain things, 
which is, you know, it's sort of like upfront work that you have to put in so that your days are easier mm, that's <laughs> in so the true. future. So for example, I mean, like if your boss is going in now, I'm sure Tuesday to Thursdays, in the future, like two years from now, you'll probably be like, oh, I, I don't think there's a need for me. I will only go in if there's like a, you know, mm. specific ask, for example, right? At, at least mm. that's what I'm doing right now like, at my job. So yeah, I think you can sort of, you know, capitalize mm. on that goodwill. <laughs> um, yeah, so that would be my thoughts, I guess, on that. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Cool, I think that's generally what we wanted to discuss. Um, I'm curious to hear other people's transitions and, you know, how they feel like they ultimately decided to make a move or how do you settle into a new job? Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, share it with your friends and follow us on your favourite podcast players, including Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. And please leave us some ratings and reviews. We would also like to hear from you. So drop us any questions at asianmilesapart at gmail.com. Lastly, if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at asianmilesapart. Bye!